Hello, welcome to the Home with a Twist podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Austin Weeks. Growing up, pulling on my mother's apron strings, I learned to prepare fabulous food, entertain guests with style, and design a traditional home with a retro twist. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of the Home with a Twist blog, where I share my passion for finding joy in every day. Grab your coffee or iced tea, and let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Home with a Twist podcast. This is episode seven, the week of December the 16th, 2018. Last Friday, I posted an article on my blog for my retro Christmas memories, and I thought that I would share a little bit with you in my podcast, going a little bit more depth of what those memories uh, were like for me growing up in my house at 4617 Meadowbrook Drive. If you're just joining our podcast and you've never tuned in before, I always start the first episode, the first part of the episode, with something personal about me, either a personal experience or a little bit about my family life so that you can get to know me. So I want to talk about how my mother made Christmas really magical for our family. And I do miss that part of Christmas, the anticipation that it seemed Christmas morning would never come and the wonderment when you woke up on a quiet Christmas morning before anyone else to see what Santa brought under the tree, and the stockings full of fun presents, and rushing into Mother and Daddy's bedroom to tell them to wake up! Santa is here! But let me start with how Mother would prepare the house for Christmas. I grew up in a two-story colonial home that Mother and Daddy poured their heart and soul into to make it a beautiful home. So for Christmas, for Mother, it started with selecting the perfect tree. She always ordered her trees from the local nurseryman, Mr. Hilsher, Jay Hilsher, or as some people would know it, as Hilsher's Nursery. And he would call Mother to say, the trees were in, and what kind did she want? And in my memory, she always selected a big, white, flocked tree. When I posted about my retro Christmas memories, I think I mentioned something about Mother never had an aluminum tree. But my sister chimed in with, actually there was one year that Mother tried the aluminum tree and put some beautiful balls on it and that my sister thought it was lovely and my brothers thought it was gross. And so the next year my mother went back to a flocked tree. But I remember it was always so exciting when they would deliver the tree and place it in the front corner of the living room by the window so that you could see it from the street. That was where we placed the tree every year. The nursery is still in business, by the way. I looked it up. It's Hillshire Landscape has been a family-owned and operated company for 85 years. And Hillshire's was established in 1925 by O.P. Hillshire, which I'm assuming probably was the father of J. Hillshire, who was who my mother dealt with. And the company is currently operated by the third generation Steve Hilsher, which must be the son of Jay. So I thought that was kind of interesting to know that it still continues. Then came all the decorations that Mother would place around the house. She, when, I'm, I'm not sure if they were original to the house when we moved in, but they had these built-in cabinets in the downstairs bathroom. And Mother would get on the ladder and she would hand me things. 
coffee table and dining room centerpieces, manger scenes, wreaths and ribbons for the doors, Christmas guest towels for the sink, stockings and garland for the fireplace mantel and staircase, and all the ornaments for the tree. But my favorite decoration out of all of those was what kids now refer to as an elf on the shelf. He would hang on the top of a ball of plastic mistletoe with a red velvet bow, and then the elf would hang from the chandelier in the entry hall by the front door. And when I was a grown-up, Mother gifted me with that um, cute little elf on the shelf mistletoe ball. It's very retro and very kitschy. Then there were the Christmas parties. Mother and Daddy would shop for their employees and give them gifts and invite them over for meals. And I remember going with Mother one year to Safeway, and we loaded up the cart with boxed jams and jellies and canned hams, like the kind from Christmas with the Cranks, and she'd make gift baskets for everyone. She got me into the practice of picking out my own Christmas cards and sending them to their friends, who were also my friends, and then my close friends. And we'd sit down at the table and work on our cards together. And I remember as a child and middle schooler, and then it went on to high school and college, and today, I loved picking out my own personal Christmas cards every year. Then the big Christmas Eve party. Mother and Daddy would invite all their friends and, of course, family over for a fantastic party. Mother would play the piano, or actually she'd have someone play the piano, and Mother would prepare a fabulous feast of hot and cold hors d'oeuvres and sweets for the table, usually using her copper serving pieces on a red or green tablecloth, and there'd be a big punch bowl full of eggnog or sparkling punch. She'd use her china and crystal and always wore a hostess skirt. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you can see me wearing my hostess skirt from a party I hosted um, a few weekends ago. And I know Mother was smiling to see me wear it. it was a, it's a beautiful red traditional Christmas plaid taffeta skirt. And of all places, I got it on QVC one of my favorite places to shop because I always have great luck, but it was from their Joan Rivers line, and it's, uh, it's, it's so fun to wear it, and I wore it with a denim blue jean jacket to just add a little bit of my own personal twist. After company left, we'd head to the 11 p.m. Christmas Eve service, and I loved coming out at the end of church knowing that at midnight, it meant Santa was headed my way. When we got home, I would fall into bed and Mother would clean up after the party after everyone went to bed. And then she would set up all the gifts and fill the stockings to help Santa out, of course, for any little ones that might be listening. And then she'd set the table for the next day for brunch. I never saw or appreciated any of this until I was a grown-up. On Christmas morning, the first thing I would do is run downstairs to see if Santa had come. Just a visual look, no touching. I'd put a Christmas album on the stereo, and then I'd go tell Mother and Daddy to wake up. And all my siblings and their spouses would come over, and we'd assemble in the living room. Because you have to remember, there was a big age difference at this time from me and my siblings, and most of them were married and had homes of their own. We'd pass out presents and have a frenzy of opening gifts under the tree, and then came the big gifts for Santa. 
Mother would write Christmas plays, sometimes with costumes, but always with scripts, very detailed speaking parts, giving us the clues where our gifts were hidden. Then we'd go on a hunt to find them. One year, probably in the early 70s, Mother got a surprise gift of a microwave. They had just been released as the hot item for Christmas. It was about as big as a 747 and on a cart with a recipe book. No more cooking in the oven. You could make your meatloaf, potatoes, and even bake a cake in this thing, it said. I don't think the microwave ever made it past potatoes and warming up cold food, but it was a good try. About the only thing we use our microwave for now is putting food in there that we don't want Trevor to eat. But mother loved it and she cried when she got it. Once all the gifts were passed out and had been opened, the merriment was concluded. We'd have a yummy brunch that mother had prepared, always with her cheese grits, bacon, sausage, eggs, hot fruit, and some kind of pastry. And it was heavenly. Mother's Cheese Grits recipe is on my blog. It just search cheese grits, and it's something I still serve every Christmas morning. Then everyone would go off to play with their new toys, and Mother usually got a gift for the family to play with, like a remote toy of some sort. My brother Jim was always nominated to put it together, and we'd play with it, or we'd get out a board game like Monopoly and sit around and play. I think Mother would then sit down for a moment and enjoy her coffee and watch all her babies enjoy the day. I never heard her complain about all the work that went into this. I think she truly loved it because she loved Christmas magic. I hope you'll stay with me and when I come back I'm going to share a fun game for the Great Candy Cane Pass. Okay, next up, we're going to play a fun game. I have been getting some really positive feedback from you all that you love to play rounds of this or that, the icebreakers that I usually do. And many of you have said that you love playing along to see if my responses match yours. Well, today we're going to do a little something different. It's a game called The Great Candy Cane Pass, and I found it once again on Pinterest. It's saved to my icebreakers file, so if you'd like to have access to a copy of this, just go to Home with a Twist on Pinterest and search my icebreakers board, and it's listed there, and it's called The Great Candy Cane Pass, and it came from the Women's Ministry Toolbox. I have literally this and 103 other icebreakers pinned to this board, and you're welcome to use them for anything. I love to use them, especially um, for get-to-know-you activities, and we've been using them recently in a new Sunday school class we launched at church. Uh, the idea is that you pass wrapped candy peppermints right or left, depending on your response. And I think this would be such a fun game to play, like maybe on Christmas Eve. So I'm just going to read you some of the questions. The first one is, have you ever gone more than three days without taking a shower? Now, if your answer is yes, you pass one piece of candy to the person on your right. And the person with the greatest number of candies at the end wins. Um, I'm not going to answer. You know what? 
I think maybe the longest I've ever gone maybe is two days without showering. Um, do you make your bed every morning? I would say probably 95% of the time I do. Do you usually return your library books on time? Well, apparently not. I lost my library card about three years ago, and I've just never renewed it. I went the other day to get it, and they said, before we can give you a new one, you have a $1.50 fine from 2014. That was, that was how long ago it was I checked out a book at the library. Have you ever gotten sick after riding an amusement ride? Uh, no, but I have felt really sick, especially after riding anything that involves a lot of swaying back and forth, like at Six Flags. I cannot ride the Conquistador. So I have learned that unless I want to avoid getting sick, I can't ride rides like that. Do you hide your own treats? I'm assuming that means like, do I hide food in my room? I have already divulged to you that I do hide bakery cake in my room so that my family won't find it and eat it. Have you ever taken a mission trip? No, that is something I have not done. Um, do you fold your underwear? Yes, I do. Do you only, do you cook only using recipes? I have to say, yes, I am not one of those cooks that can just make something from a can of tomatoes and a box of pasta and salt and make a fabulous meal. I have to have a recipe. Do you have to have coffee in the morning? I don't have to have it, but I do like it. It's just kind of part of my ritual. It's not anything I use to wake myself up. I just like to sip it while I'm getting ready for work. Are you up by 6 a.m.? No, I get up at 7 o'clock every morning. Have you ever smuggled snacks or drinks into the movie theater? Yes. Do you always put on makeup before going, leaving the house? No. In fact, I love to not wear makeup. I usually wear it if I'm going someplace like work or church, but for the most part on the weekends, if no one's going to see me or I don't particularly care, I will go without makeup. Do you squeeze your toothpaste in the middle? No, I do not. I squeeze it at the top. I learned that from Mr. B. After we got married, It was uh, he was a big stickler for not squeezing the toothpaste in the middle, so I've tried to, um, I think that's probably why we've had such a successful marriage for the past 21 years is I have applied that toothpaste rule. Do you, have you ever double dipped at a party? No, I am very uh, good about not doing that for fear that someone may see me and be grossed out. So there you go, it's just 20 questions. I only read you probably half of those. It's just a fun little game, makes people laugh and uh, helps to pass the time and get to know each other. So give it a shot, it's called the Great Candy Cane Pass. And we are going to move next to my favorite part of the show is where I share a holiday cocktail recipe. We'll be back in a minute. Okay, we're back. I am going to share a recipe I'm super excited to make and a must-have appetizer. I'm hosting a little cocktail party for my neighborhood ladies on Tuesday evening, um, just maybe an hour and a half after work, just to say Merry Christmas and spend some time together. We've been super blessed. Um, that, In fact, this was one of the things that when we were searching for a house 10 years ago where we could combine our households, 
uh, for those of you who don't know, my parents came to live with us so that we could be their caregivers. And we searched, we probably looked at over about 100 homes because we had to find a very specific house that two families, my parents, me, Mr. B, and Miss B could live, and everyone feel like they had their own space. And we had certain parameters that we were looking for. We needed to have a three-car garage because at that time my parents were driving and Mr. B and I both had cars and we knew at some point if we stayed here long enough Miss B would have a car. We wanted to have a nice big backyard because that was not something that we had ever had in homes we'd lived in previously. And we knew that we needed to have a two-story house so that we could live upstairs and my parents could have the downstairs. But one of the criteria that I really, really prayed about was, Lord, please help me find a neighborhood where I can meet people and have a sense of community, that we can get together and have fun, but that we can also lean on each other in times of um, sorrow and, and also joy, but also the sorrow. And I tell you what, my neighbors were just kind and sweet and loving, especially that whole time that my parents were alive. And it was nice to have their support and their friendship. So we've we've continued that for the past 10 years. We get together pretty frequently and have a lot of fun together. So I always love uh, to share a cocktail recipe with you. And I found this really cute one on, his name is Michael Worm, W-U-R-M. And he has a site called Inspired by Charm. I sure hope he writes a book. And maybe he has. I haven't checked. But his blog is adorable. And he's also on social media. I think Inspired by Charm is his call sign. But he has the best content on his blog, on Instagram, and Pinterest. And he has a recipe he calls the Very Merry Ornamentini. And what makes it special are two things. It's got sugared cranberries and you serve it from a clear glass ball ornament, the cocktail. So it's kind of like a sippy cup for grown-ups. And here's the recipe, and I do have it pinned to Pinterest on my Just a Sip board, and I'm also going to share it on my blog in the show notes. But what you do is you mix one cup of vodka, a half a cup of orange liqueur, and he says that he prefers Cointreau. You can also use Grand Marnier. Uh, a half a cup of cherry juice, and this is, there's an asterisk next to this, it has to be 100% cherry juice, not like a cherry cocktail, but cherry juice. One quarter cup of cranberry juice, and this has to be not a cranberry juice cocktail, but 100% cranberry juice. And a quarter cup of orange juice, freshly squeezed with pulp removed. So what you do is you pour all of those ingredients into a cocktail shaker, and you shake vigorously with ice. Then you use a funnel, and I found, he links the source for the glass Christmas balls. They're on Amazon. Mine are not scheduled to arrive till Tuesday. I sure hope they're here by the party. But they're basically just a glass ornament, and you screw, you can take the top of it off, because it's got like that little, you know, that little gold part that has like the little loop, and you hang it with a Christmas tree ornament. So you wash out your ornament balls, and you take a funnel, and you pour the mixture into the glass ornaments that have been washed and rinsed, and you place the topper back on. And then I think what he does is he puts them back in the refrigerator to let them chill. 
And so to serve it, you add your sugared cranberries, and I will include a sh the, in the show notes the link on how to do the sugared cranberries. So you put, you take a martini glass, you put three or four sugared cranberries in the bottom with a sprig of rosemary, and then you take the glass ball of your cocktail and place it down into the martini glass. And that's how you present it to your guests, is this beautiful cocktail that's been packaged inside of an ornament. And the idea is for them to take it and uh, pour the cocktail from the ball, the ornament ball, into their glass. So I just thought that was a super clever idea. And then a quintessential recipe that you have to serve at any Southern cocktail party are crispy cheese wafers. I mean, this is just, if you've never had one of these, you've been missing out. They usually are at every wedding shower, every southern brunch. It's a recipe that would make a perfect gift. It's very similar to cheese straws, if you've ever had those. And one of the serving suggestions that they recommend, and I've never done this, but this is how I plan to serve it, is to serve it alongside a dish of pepper jelly and a block of softened goat cheese. So you're to take the cheese wafer and put a little bit of goat cheese and jelly on the top and it's supposed to form the perfect bite. So I will share this recipe for crispy cheese wafers on my blog. It's super simple. It makes four dozen. So you could easily make four gifts out of this. Put a dozen uh, cheese wafers in a cute little box and if you have your favorite pepper jelly, you could wrap up that with a jar of pepper jelly and have a really nice hostess gift or Christmas gift to give to uh, co-workers or neighbors. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back I have the January book that we'll be reading for my book club, Mrs. Twist Reads This. <music> Welcome back. Mrs. Twist reads this book club selection for January is Little Women. We are going to try and read at least three classics in 2019. And this was from a member request of trying to step out of our comfort zone and maybe read some things that we wouldn't normally read. So I thought that was a great challenge and I could certainly benefit from reading some of these classics. So what I did was I went to Modern Mrs. Darcy. It's a wonderful, she has a wonderful website and podcast, and it's dedicated primarily to reading. And she has a resource called uh, 20 Classics That Every Woman Should Read. So I printed that off. I passed it around. I had everyone give me input as to what they might like to read. And the majority of... The feedback was, let's try to read Little Women. And it is, if you're not familiar with it, it's by American author Louisa May Alcott, who was born in 1832 and died in 1888. And it was originally published in two volumes, in 1868 and in 1869. Alcott wrote the books rapidly over several months at the request of her publisher, uh, the novel follows the lives of four sisters, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy March. 
detailing their passage from childhood to womanhood, and it's loosely based on the author and her three sisters. Uh, Little Women was an immediate commercial and critical success, and readers demanded to know more about the characters. Alcott quickly completed a second volume entitled Good Wives in the United Kingdom, and although this name derived from the publisher and not from Alcott, it was also very successful. The two volumes were issued in 1880 in a single work entitled Little Women, and Alcott also wrote two sequels in her popular work, both of which also featured the Marsh sisters, Little Men, which was in 1871, and Joe's Boys in 1886. And although Little Women was a novel for girls, it differed notably from the current writings for children, especially girls. So the novel addressed three major themes, domesticity, work, and true love, and all of them interdependent and each necessary to achieve of its heroine's individual identity. So we will meet on Tuesday, January 29th at 7 p.m. to discuss the book. Normally we meet the last Thursday of the month, but um, for scheduling purposes, for me, we need to meet on Tuesday. I'm going to try and find some fun activities to do around the book at our meeting. I realize that this is going to be a difficult read, or I guess I should say a different read than what we normally to do. And I expect it may be a little bit of a struggle to get through, but we will give it our best. The last time I tried attempting to read Little Women was 18 years ago when I was waiting for Miss B to be born. I read this book, uh, now the name of it escapes me, but it was a book that my friends Mary and Andrew G Galena gave me and said that it worked for them to get their children sleeping through the night by six weeks of age. So I thought, okay, well, I know I've got 12 weeks of maternity and then I'm going to be going back to work, so I'm going to try to do this. And I followed the book and it was amazing and she was sleeping through the night by six weeks. But one of the things they suggested is, even if your baby's asleep, to try to do things that will still stimulate it uh, with noise, like setting it in the baby in its bouncy chair on the counter in the kitchen while you're cooking, so it can hear noises and still be almost like sleep awake, but not totally awake in a dark room, because you're trying to get them to have more stimulus during the day so that they'll be sleepy and sleep at night. And one of the things it said is to read to your children. Well, being the fact that I was a new mom and wanted my child to be brilliant, I decided that we were going to embark on reading Little Women. So I would read her uh, a chapter of Little Women pretty much every day. And even at, even at like one day, week old when she was home from the hospital. Uh, but I laugh now at the things we do when we're new, shiny, brand new moms. Um, I'm not really sure. I've asked Miss B if she remembers me reading her Little Women, and of course she laughs and says no. But if you'd like to join our book club, we would love to have you. All you have to do is go to my blog, homewithatwist.com, and search book club, and you'll see the latest information on our current read. If you don't live local but want accountability to read, we would love to have you join. Membership is free. It's all done through bookmovement.com. It's a platform that um, you can log in, sign up to, create your own queue, look to see what books are popular, what have been given some good ratings and feedback, 
and that's what we use that will send you email communication to let you know when we're reading a new book and when our next meeting is coming up. So that's a wrap for this week. I hope to squeeze in maybe just a few more episodes to finish out 2018. I am so appreciative of your continued support of my podcast project and the lovely comments that you leave me here. I am looking forward to a full year of fun in 2019. Um, If you have any ideas of things that you'd like to learn more about, certainly send me an email at homewiththetwist at gmail.com. I would love to get your questions. Maybe you've got something, a burning question, and you need help with the answer, and I can reply to you via my podcast. But as always, I want you to make today the best it can possibly be, and remember to seek joy in every day. I'll see you next time. So that's a wrap for this week's chat. I want to thank my sponsor, Jabbo's Ace Hardware. Locally owned and operated, Jabbo's strives to be the most helpful hardware store in our community. Shop any of their three locations in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I'd love for you to visit my blog, homewithatwist.com, for today's show notes and recent posts. Follow me on social media at Home with a Twist. Thanks for listening, and remember to celebrate every day.